Section 10 of The Colonel's Dream. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Colonel's Dream by Charles Chestnut. Section 10, Chapter 10. The deed for the house was executed on Friday, Nichols agreeing to give possession within a week. The lavishness of the purchase price was a subject of much remark in the town, and Nichols' good fortune was congratulated or envied according to the temper of each individual. The colonel's action in old Peter's case had made him a name for generosity. His reputation for wealth was confirmed by this reckless prodigality. There were some small souls, of course, among the lower whites, who were heard to express disgust that, so far, only niggers had profited by the colonel's visit. The Anglo-Saxon, which came out Saturday morning, gave a large amount of space to Colonel French and his doings. Indeed, the two compositors had remained up late the night before, setting up copy, and the pressman had not reached home until three o'clock. The kerosene oil in the office gave out, and it was necessary to rouse a grocer at midnight to replenish the supply. So far had the advent of Colonel French affected the life of the town. The Anglo-Saxon announced that Colonel Henry French, formerly of Clarendon, who had won distinction in the Confederate Army, and since the war achieved fortune at the North, had returned to visit his birthplace and his former friends. The hope was expressed that Colonel French, who had recently sold out to a syndicate his bagging mills in Connecticut, might seek investments in the South, whose vast undeveloped resources needed only the fructifying flow of abundant capital to make it blossom like the rose. The New South, the Anglo-Saxon declared, was happy to welcome capital and enterprise, and hoped that Colonel French might find in Clarendon an agreeable residence and an attractive opening for his trained business energies. That something of the kind was not unlikely might be gathered from the fact that Colonel French had already repurchased from William Nichols, a worthy Negro barber, the old French mansion, and had taken into his service a former servant of the family, thus foreshadowing a renewal of local ties and a prolonged residence. The conduct of the colonel in the matter of his old servant was warmly commended. The romantic circumstances of their meeting in the cemetery, and the incident in the justice's court, which were matters of public knowledge and interest, showed that in Colonel French, should he decide to resume his residence in Clarendon, his fellow citizens would find an agreeable neighbor, whose sympathies would be with the South in those difficult manners upon which North and South had so often been at variance, but upon which they were now rapidly becoming one in sentiment. The colonel, whose active mind could not long remain unoccupied, was busily engaged during the next week, partly in making plans for the renovation of the old homestead, partly in correspondence with Kirby concerning the winding up of the loose ends of their former business. Thus, compelled to leave Phil to the care of someone else, he had an excellent opportunity to utilize Peter's services. When the old man, proud of his new clothes and relieved of any responsibility for his own future first appeared at the hotel the colonel was ready with a commission now peter he said i'm going to prove my confidence in you and test your devotion to the family by giving you charge of phil you may come and get him in the morning after breakfast you can get your meals in the hotel kitchen and take him to walk in the streets or the cemetery but you must be very careful 
for he is all I have in the world. In other words, Peter, you are to take as good care of Phil as you did of me when I was a little boy. I'll look after Mars Henry, like he was a lump of pure gold. Me and him will get along fine, won't we, little Mars Phil? Yes, indeed, replied the child. I like you, Uncle Peter, and I'll be glad to go with you. Phil and the old man proved excellent friends, and the colonel, satisfied that the boy would be well cared for, gave his attention to the business of the hour. As soon as Nichols moved out of the old house, there was a shaking of the dry bones among the mechanics of the town. A small army of workmen invaded the premises, and repairs and improvements of all descriptions went rapidly forward, much more rapidly than was usual in Clarendon, for the colonel led all his work by contract, and by a system of forfeits and premiums kept it going at high pressure. In two weeks the house was shingled, painted inside and out, the fences were renewed, the outhouses renovated, and the grounds put in order. The stream of ready money thus put into circulation by the colonel soon permeated all the channels of local enterprise. The barber, out of his profits, began the erection of a row of small houses for colored tenants. This gave employment to masons and carpenters, and involved the sale and purchase of considerable building material. General trade felt the influence of the enhanced prosperity. Groceries, dry goods stores, and saloons did a thriving business. The ease with which the simply organized community responded to so slight an inflow of money and energy was not without a pronounced influence upon the colonel's future conduct. When his house was finished, Colonel French hired a housekeeper, a colored maid, a cook, and a coachman, bought several horses and carriages, and, having sent to New York for his books and pictures and several articles of furniture which he had stored there, began housekeeping in his own establishment. Succumbing willingly to the charm of old associations, and entering more fully into the social life of the town, he began insensibly to think of Clarendon as an established residence where he would look forward to spending a certain portion of each year. The climate was good for Phil, and to bring up the boy safely would be henceforth his chief concern in life. In the atmosphere of the old town, the ideas of race and blood attained a new and larger perspective. It would be too bad for an old family, with a fine history, to die out, and Phil was the latest of the line, and the sole hope of its continuance. The colonel was conscious, somewhat guiltily conscious, that he had neglected the South and all that pertained to it, except the market for burlaps and bagging which several southern sales agencies had attended to on behalf of his firm. He was aware, too, that he had felt a certain amount of contempt for its poverty, its quixotic devotion to lost causes and vanished ideals, and a certain disgusted impatience with a people who persistently lagged behind in the march of progress, and permitted a handful of upstart, blatant, self-seeking demagogues to misrepresent them in Congress and before the country, by intemperate language and persistent hostility to a humble but large and important part of their own constituency. But he was glad to find that this was the mere froth upon the surface, and that underneath it, deep down in the hearts of the people, the currents of life flowed, if less swiftly, not less purely than in more favored places. The town needed an element which he could in a measure supply by residing there, if for only a few weeks each year and that element was some point of contact with the outer world and its more advanced thought. He might induce some of his northern friends to follow his example, 
there were many for whom the mild climate in winter and the restful atmosphere at all seasons of the year would be a boon which correctly informed people would be eager to enjoy of the extent to which the influence of the treadwell household had contributed to this frame of mind the colonel was not conscious he had received the freedom of the town and many hospitable doors were open to him as a single man with an interesting little motherless child he did not lack for the smiles of fair ladies of which the town boasted not a few but mrs treadwell's home held the first place in his affections he had been there first and first impressions are vivid they had been kind to phil who loved them all and insisted on peter's taking him there every day the colonel found pleasure in miss laura's sweet simplicity and openness of character to which graciella's vivacity and fresh young beauty formed an attractive counterpart and mrs treadwell's plaintive minor note had soothed and satisfied colonel french in this emotional indian summer which marked his reaction from a long and arduous business career end of section ten recording by james k white chula vista